This episode of Roderick on the Line is brought to you by Braintree. Looking to set up payments for your business? Braintree gives your app or website a payment solution that accepts just about every payment method with one simple integration. To learn more, visit braintreepayments.com slash supertrain. Hello. Hey, John. Hi, Merlin. How's it going? Good. Hmm. How are you? I'm all right. You sound very subdued. <laughs> I can do subdued. Yeah? Yeah. I got it in me. Keep it way down. Mm-hmm. Make it kind of a, kind of a public radio type discussion. Um, we've had those before. Yeah. We can do it. I, tr- I turned my volume down. Am I too low? No. Good. Okay. I, wor- I worry about overdriving. Why? Because I like to keep a certain tone with the show. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I don't really have skills with the microphone. Mm. Oh, I see. Mm-hmm. What is the tone you like to keep for the show? I like to stay in the moment. Uh-huh. That's my tone. Uh-huh. I'm, yeah. here for, I'm here for whatever comes along, you know, whatever happens. Fuck well, yeah, stay in the moment is right. God, I sound really quiet. You do? Yeah, I worry. I, you know, worry about overdriving. I've always felt like, you know, because you because you drive the boat, because you're the sub commander. Yeah. You always can set the levels however you like. Yeah, that's true. You can fix it you in know? post, as they say. Yeah, you fix it in post. For all I know, you've been putting some you've been putting some weird filter on me all these years. Well, I talk like this. Or, so you put some wah-wah pedal on me. You could have been fucking with me this entire time. No, no. I make sure you always sound very dignified. So you, you, you have a dignified performance, and then I try to keep your... Uh, I don't cut out the snorts or anything, because I think that's part of the show. Yeah. You said you said a mouthful. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Keep mm. the snorts. Keep <laughs> the snorts. <laughs> the snorts are part of the show. That's our motto. My curse is I do listen to the show, and so I hear when I say things wrong. I hear mm. when I uh, accidentally refer to Ghostbusters as Back to the Future, and oh. then I realize that's on the record forever. Yeah. Yeah, if I was worried about the permanent record, boy, I'd, I'd have another thing that woke me up in the middle of the night. Yeah. Last night I had a dream where I was, you know, I was being chased, yeah. running, chasing dream, and I hid inside the torpedo tube of a submarine. I was in a submarine, and I ran in, and I climbed into the torpedo tube to hide, and then you can guess what happened. Oh, no. The villain, the chaser... Sealed me in the torpedo tube. Oh no, you don't like that. No, it was terrible. <gasps> did you did you awake with a start? Yes. Yes, I woke with a terrible feeling that I was trapped in a torpedo tube. And then unlike you know, in most cases in a situation like that, I roll over and I say, Happy thoughts, puppies, ice yeah. cream. But in this case, I was so intrigued. That I rolled over and was like, "All right, let's play this out." Yeah, and then uh, and then the t- torpedo tube was flooded, which was also awful. This is a lot of your bad stuff. You don't like. I don't want to, you know, mm. uh, trigger you, but I, no. I know you don't like the idea of being closed in somewhere. 
No. Being, so, so being on a, a submarine to begin with, probably not your best day. I wouldn't have been a good submariner. Yeah. I would not want to be in a torpedo tube. And the only thing that could make a small, confined, dark space worse is if it then flooded with water and I drowned in it. Ugh. Oh, my God. You know, God. Like, dr- like drowning in a thing. I mean, no, wait a minute. I, I, the thing about drowning in a tor- torpedo tube is that it'd be relatively quick and painless. You hope. You hope. It's really suffocating. That is yeah. the thing that, that, that I... That I that I fear the most. Okay, like a, la- a lack of oxygen. That's right. Yeah, I mean, shoot me all day long. Right. Knife me, acid, hot lava. Throw me from a tall building. Hit me with a car. Bludgeon me to death. All those things. Yeah. I'll take in stride with, as you say, dignity. <laughs> you sound like you're really prepared. <laughs> but don't suffocate me. Yeah. Come on. Yeah. Have a little fucking class. Submarines are an interesting thing also because if you think about the stuff you're exposed to as a kid, at least for me, I feel like submarines, maybe like quicksand and gorilla suits, like mm. the submarines were a thing for a while. Mm. But like you even think of Hunt for Red October or mm. think about... One ping only. One ping only. Even like way before that, though, the submarines that we had access to, there was always that element, some element of claustrophobia, but it was also, it was just, it was really cool. And it wasn't until I saw something like Dust Boot Mm, where you get the real feeling of like, oh no, this is. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because like if you think about the scenes on the the Russian sub, I mean, that main room is is pretty. It's pretty roomy. I mean, you can walk around. You don't have to bend over. There's chairs, and and it seems very accommodating. You're talking about Hunt for Red October. What did I say? Oh yeah. yeah. Well, that's what you said. But I mean, Hunt for Red October. Yeah, they've got like a dining room table in there. Yeah, but I mean, even like even the like the. It was a mega sub. Right, right. But I mean, it's it doesn't have that sense of like if you're ever you know really on a boat. I mean, it's it's such a. A model of economy. Mm. It's a model of a. It's a modern major major major, major economical boat. <laughs> but like every single like cubic inch has to be utilized efficiently all the time. And it seems like they very much err on the side of smaller rather than bigger. And you're, you know, always up against somebody else. There's not lots of places where two people can walk by each other without having to change their their posture and position. You know what I mean? I did not know we were going to talk about boat design today yeah that's that's a perfect example of how this show just goes where the day takes us is that right you feel like you feel like you never really know what's waiting for you here what could what could happen i mean i'm i am about to i am pregnant with an operation petticoat reference oh right and i'm just sitting here on top of this operation petticoat reference so excited by it because when was the last first of all when was the last time i got to make one when will the next time be? Where could I ever make an Operation Petticoat reference and have the person I made it to go, oh, right. Is that, was that the movie that's, with that's Jack? That's this show. Was that the movie with Jack Lemmon? Uh, you are, I think, thinking of... Oh, no, think, I'm thinking of think um, Mr. Roberts. I'm thinking of Mr. Roberts, probably. But and, wasn't... Well, no, the, the worst thing that I'm doing right now is, and I can't believe this never occurred to me till now, is I think in my head I conflate Operation Petticoat with Petticoat Junction. And I didn't realize right. it until just now. 
Right. See, that is a very common thing, and that has happened to me before also. But we're, there's two things. There's Petticoat Junction, the film, mm-hmm. with Cary Grant. There's Petticoat Junction, the television show, mm. with Jamie Lee Curtis. A young Jamie Lee Curtis. Oh my God! I, I think I think you're. Well, oh my gosh! Okay. Oh right, Jamie. Ding, wow. Ding, 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 you know ding. what? Full points to John on that one. You had me. Mm-hmm. You had me good. Mm-hmm. Uh, so boy, there's this whole Rat King of multiple sisters and like country. I don't say bumpkins. That's kind of an ugly, old-fashioned term. Bumpkins. But like, wasn't now Petticoat Junction? was more in that mold of, like, rural, like the CBS rural TV shows, right? Oh, you're talking about, yeah, right, like uh, like Dukes of Hazard. Well, you know, you take something like an Andy Griffith show, and you've got things like in that, I think that was the source of the spinoff Gomer Pyle, USMC. Right, right. Um, and you've got things like, you got your Green Acres. Your Beverly Hillbillies. you got your Beverly Hillbillies. I think... And then, and so all I remember about this, so first of all, I remember those, those shows were on a lot. They were in reruns a lot. And I remember reading in my studies that there was basically something happened with, at, at CBS in the early 70s, they decided to basically sweep the decks and say, we, we, we are losing the urban demo. I think something along these lines. We were, this is the time of like, you know, it's the late 60s, early 70s, lots of crazy right. stuff happening. Yeah. And we have all these shows that are, completely out of touch with the youth, the uh, rabid youth culture. Yeah, they're corny. They're corny. Yeah. Yeah. And so, and that's, and so at least in the uh, conventional wisdom, the, the history of this is that when CBS launched all those, the great sitcoms, like, you know, you think about that era of All in the Family, later the Jeffersons, um, what else you got in there? You got Maude, of course, eventually one day at a time, but that, that all started with uh, sweeping the decks of all yeah, the rural you gotta sweep, shows, got to sweep the shit out of them. No, I enjoy I enjoyed the rural shows when I was a kid. Well, the funny thing is, you know, a lot of these shows they had they had a long run, five six years. I mean, and then they were in syndication when we were kids, as we've talked about before. Yeah, but uh, but where they were syndicated was, uh, varied by region, and Petticoat Junction and Green Acres neither were in. Uh, syndication in the Seattle area, or there's another possibility, which is that my babysitter did not watch that channel. Oh, and babysitter controlled the, uh, one of your negligent babysitters was the one who controlled the channel changer. Controlled the channel changer. I never, well, there wasn't a channel changer at the time. You had to get up and walk all the way across the room. It was called turn, a dial. And turn the knob, but tick, the, tick, kids, tick, tick. <laughs> the kids were not allowed to touch the TV. At the babysitter's house. So that was she one of the babysitter's small consolations, right? Well, oh, she ran a tight ship, right? Yeah. I mean, she, but she, what was funny is the TV was all the way on the far side of the living room. And it was just a regular style, American style TV at the time, which was about the size of, uh, what, like a box of wine, right? It, it's not was like it, some Was it a portable? No, it was a, it was a, it wasn't a console. It didn't have a record player in it also, but it was a, what would you? What, what size would it be? It's like it's like when you order toilet paper from Amazon.com. Yeah, it comes in a box that was about the size of a television set for most of our. Was lives. it on the TV stand or was it on the floor? It was on a piece of furniture. Okay. 
uh, at the end that I think you would call a dresser, maybe an arm. But like, if you wanted to move it into the kids' room when they're home sick from school, that no. would be quite an under- no. undertaking. Yeah, this was a very large TV. It was made out of wood. It, okay, uh, I know, I, I know what you mean. Yeah, I see why you're avoiding console, but I know exactly what you mean. Where it might have some kind of like Rococo fake columns and stuff like that. It was a color TV, but it was not. It wasn't dressed up. It was. It was a. Um, you know, obviously, like some of our listeners are thinking back to the largest TV they can recall, and it was made of black plastic. And this was not that. This right. was made out of wood. It was handcrafted by someone. It had. It didn't have. Uh, it didn't have tubes like an amp, but it was a cathode ray television with a very prominently curved screen. A curved screen, that's right. That when you turned it on, a little dot appeared, and it we went. You could hear that, re- that really high pitched noise. <laughs> and then it sat for a second as it figured it was it collected itself and warmed itself up and got that picture. Anyway, yeah, yeah. Yep. We couldn't touch it, but she would. She would periodically throughout the day stand up from her card table, uh, <laughs> put out uh, her um, her more cigarette. Walk across to the television and change the channel. And I don't know whether that was because Bob Barker was on. Mm-hmm. She watched her stories during the middle of the day. And then at a certain point, I think on behalf of the kids when they got off of school, she turned, she got up, turned the channel, and then Hogan's Heroes was on. Okay, you go to UHF. You're, well, I mean, it was what? There were three channels in PBS. Okay. We didn't. There was no. Nothing was going on on. You didn't UHF. have like an independent station. No, no, okay. no, no, no. That's, where we, that's sitting, where we always got black and white reruns and Flintstones and stuff like that. In Alaska, maybe. Well, not even. Not even. But she. But the point. Point is, she was not. She did not have any particular fondness for the rural programs. That's not what we watched, and I and I always assumed that it was because they weren't on. Uh, they weren't on TV in Seattle or Alaska. Those those particular shows. Mm-hmm. Petticoat Junction, the or I'm sorry, Operation Petticoat. Now you got me doing it. Operation Petticoat. Uh, was that a TV show too? Well, the TV show is the one with Jamie Lee Curtis. And what was crazy about it was in the film, in the film that was made much earlier. Like the film is from the fifties, uh, right? Fifties, right? Yeah, uh, fifty nine. Yeah, it had Tony Curtis. And I thought his, you were making a funny on the fact that they were family. No, and then Jamie Lee Curtis was cast like <gasps> stunt cast. She was Lieutenant Barbara Duran for 23 episodes. Yeah, yeah. And so Operation Petticoat, the television show, yeah. was like done as a kind of farce, like Gilligan's Island style, like knee slapper. But, but in the... Um, it was like one of those, wasn't it kind of like a sexy ABC kind of show? Yes, exactly. That's what I was getting at. It was a little bit... Sexy yeah. for uh, for a kid who is. I mean, the whole idea of these guys uh, sailing around during the war in a pink submarine. Yeah. Um. Pretty racy. Pretty yeah. racy to uh, to my little kid. The, the implications. The implications for an adult are pretty different from just the wackadoodle of being a kid. Well, but I think also there was some aspect of it, like um, not only was the submarine pink, but uh, but they were there was a they were they were there, there was an emergency, right? Obviously, you're, you've painted the submarine pink because that's can, can I read you can I read you the the short description on IMDb? Yeah, let's hear it's that. hijinks on the high seas when a U.S. submarine has to take on a collection of female nurses. Somehow or another, the sub gets painted pink in the process. There we go. <laughs> 
and I, and I, and I think okay. I think the I think the way that it got painted pink in the in the process was it was like a primer, right? They had to prime it pink prior to painting it its battleship gray. Yeah. Or I don't remember. But but anyway, so it wasn't just that the sub was pink, it was also full of nurses. Yeah. yeah. So in that sense it was like a mash. It had a mash vibe. Uh, it only obviously only lasted for like a season and a half or something. But I was it was it was right up there with Charlie's Angels. Yeah. In terms of like it, it, nothing ever happened that you never really got to. I mean, it was television, but yeah. you could, your your imagination could run wild. What you know, What if I were a little bit older, and I were on a pink submarine full of nurses? Yep, yep. The problem was I was ten, mm-hmm. and so even if I was a little bit older, like thirteen, I still wouldn't have been allowed on a submarine. Yeah. Um, featured John Aston, and uh, also Jim Varney. The guy from, uh, you know, the uh, Ernest guy. Er- Ernest? You mean like Ernest goes Ernest to Washington? Ernest goes to camp and stuff like that. Yeah. Jim Varney. I, did, I didn't know he had a he had a career yeah. uh, outside of being Ernest. The other thing about John Aston, I don't want to change the subject here, but the other weird thing is like, you know, a lot of times, you know, uh, success breeds success. Like one network will do a show, obviously, and then another network will do a very similar show. Um. So, I mean, it's, it's kind of weird. Like, when you're a little kid, it's sort of like you and your Bartels. Like, I've never even heard of a Bartels. Some people have CVS. Some people have Walgreens. It's also interesting, like, regionally, I think most stations that are buying reruns to fill the afternoon are not going to buy, I'm guessing, I, don't, I can't say, but I'll just say this. To me, you were either a Munsters family or you were an Adams family family. <laughs> and I, I didn't even see I, the Adams family. Until I was probably in like uh, what junior high, I didn't even know it existed because we always had monsters. Same, same, absolutely same. And I think I, I think only, Adam's I family was a, Adam's family was a better program. Who knows? Yeah. Who knows? Who can go back in time now and say what our lives would have been like if we'd been watching the Adams family instead of the monsters? I don't even want to think about it. Mm, moments snap because, together like magnets. Yeah, because the monsters, very very you know foundational. Yeah. Uh, and the Adams family, uh, there's a lot of subtlety going on there. You know. They're very, they're very like, different shows. Yeah, Gomez is like he's always smirking, right? Yeah, but Her- Herman's not smirking. So, what do you think? Herman. Do you think Adam's Family came first? I'm not going to look it up. I'm going to yeah, guess yeah, Adam's I'm Family because sure. that I'm was sure. based on like those like New Yorker cartoons, right? Yeah, it's got <clears throat> Adam's Family's got a lot of class. The Munsters is 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 it's broader, right? It's playing to the back of the room, but I can't take it away. I would like to point out John Aston's photo on wikipedia is taken from petticoat junction no kidding yeah so it's not even uh it's not like a it's not like a small moment in his life Hmm. um but i mean you would think he was gomez you would think he would be that would be the picture that he would be (laughs) that we would know about but no it's like uh yeah i I don't understand i don't understand who decides what picture to use it's it's always been bewildering to me here's a question to you yeah have you looked at your Wikipedia page lately? Uh, no. Do you know who, how it gets made? Not really. I want to talk about Green Acres. I do not. I hmm. have no interest in Green Acres. Okay. I don't. I have never. I have not looked at my um, Wikipedia page in a long time, and still haven't. But it popped into my head the other day that it's out there. Yeah. That it exists out there, and that it's probably either wrong or 
poor. It's it's probably either I think it probably is impoverished. You know what I mean? I the first time I ever saw a Wikipedia page about me it was written by a fan. And it was in the early days of Wikipedia where people could just, or I mean, maybe this is still true, but they just wrote a bunch of stuff. It was just like paragraphs and paragraphs long written in the style of like a magazine article. Yeah, there, there was a time where, um, where, you know, well, I mean, one thing obviously is if it's a very popular top, God, I don't know fuck all about this. I don't know why I'm trying to comment on this, but I do, I do get the sense there's a lot more that the editing and sort of moderation has tightened up quite a lot. So you don't get as much like weird abuse and stuff, but you know, if it's a topic that a lot of people care about and that there's a lot of interest in, and that there's a lot of expertise in, I mean, there's some fantastic Wikipedia pages out there. It's just, you know, and there, but the thing is, I think one thing is that people sort of adopt topics and sort of watch for changes in things. Yes, I see. I see. Right. I think when I first was introduced to the concept of editing, Wikipedia pages. I uh, was looking at the Wikipedia page for the Starcaster, Fender's famously ill-advised competitor to the ES-335, which I owned a copy of, of which I owned a copy. Wow. The Starcaster. Hmm. You've seen me play my Starcaster. I'm going to have to look it up. Starcaster, very unusual guitar. I I was working... I was, <clears throat> pardon me. I was working at Emerald City Guitars in Seattle. It's like they and, took an, e, an ES335 and wanted to kind of give it a little bit of the funky angle of a Fender, like give, make it like a little bit yeah. of a Mustang angle. Yeah, they stretched it strangely in a, like a Stratocaster. Yeah, but a three, it's a 335. So I was working at Emerald City Guitars, and it, and and I had within the year purchased a 1968 Telecaster with a factory Bigsby tremolo. And it was the most fancy, expensive guitar that I had owned uh, ever since my original 1968 ES-335 was stolen out of my own living room while I was sleeping. Oh, man. That happened a long time before. But so this was a fancy guitar. It was very fancy. But whenever I would play shows with it, I liked to play with my guitar kind of loud. Because that was the fashion at the time. Mm-hmm. And this Telecaster was very, it was very uh, feedbacky. Do you remember this? Do you remember the, when Telecasters were, were like, oh, they feedback? Telecasters, at least in my, I had, a, I had a Telecaster, and I think one of the performance characteristics, for better or for worse, was they were not, as you would say, a loud guitar. And when mm. they did get loud, they were pretty. I don't know the term for it, but yeah, it would, it would feedback pretty bad. And yet a single coil, not super heavily wound pickup. And that's what mm-hmm. gave it the distinctive twangy sound. It's that distinctive twangy sound. Are, 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 are you playing with jingle bells? Are no, there, I think is that's, Santa there? No, I think, <laughs> I think it's just brakes. Oh. People break a lot around here. Oh, 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 right, 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 brakes. I thought you were talking about, like, drum brakes. I was like, that was a cool drum break. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um Right, and and so people did all kinds of things, like they invented humbuckers that would fit inside the single space of a Telecaster pickup. People would take their Telecaster pickups out and dip them in wax. Right, and didn't Seymour, I feel like, I remember Seymour Duncan's being a big deal because Mm -hmm. they had, was it the Quarter Pounder? But they, they came up with some pickup that where you could put, I don't know if it was just Seymour Duncan, but you could, if you, with the right amount of routing, routing, what do you call it? You know, routing, making a hole where Mm -hmm. you could get a humbucker, a 
a double coil pickup into the space of a single coil area. <clears throat> right, but it was ta- it was stacked. It was on top of each other rather than side by side. Yeah. Uh, and right, and then of course there was the mother bucker, which was a uh, Hamer invention, which was three. It was three pick, three single coil pickups together. The mother bucker. Is that a Gillette blade situation? Do you get a benefit from having those extras? I, well, you know, people aren't aren't still using them. Hmm. So I think it was just a thing that looked pretty hot. I remember seeing it in a Hamer guitar and thinking that looks pretty hot. But um, <laughs> for some reason, it seems like the pickup version of Rick Nielsen having a five neck guitar. And Rick Nielsen also famously plays Hamers. Plays Hamers. I bet he had one. Nice pull. But uh, but so now nobody plays that loud. You can play any guitar you want, I think. But then every time I stepped on my distortion box, this thing would just start squealing like Wee! and like especially if you were on the um, the tail pickup. Yeah, and I at that point in time, never used anything but the bridge pickup because I didn't understand what the neck pickup did. I never touched the controls of a guitar or of the amp. I just turned everything up all the way. (laughs) And then the only way I had really of expressing myself as an instrumentalist was stepping on the distortion pedal because I had no, I had no feel of any kind. I couldn't, you know, I couldn't do anything with the guitar except the most brute, like behavior, yeah, just like blah, bang, blah, bang. and this guitar was too crazy. It was just like a scimitar, but it was beautiful. So I'm working, I'm working at the guitar store one day, and a guy comes in. This used to happen all the time at the guitar store. Somebody, a man or woman, comes in with a guitar case, and you can see the case through the glass door when they're still on the sidewalk, and you're like, oh, here comes a live one. Mm-hmm. Because you see the case, you know it is something, and then you look at the person, and you know that person does not belong with that guitar case. And so you adopt that cool kind of guy at the guitar shop thing, and you lean your elbow on the counter, and you're like, hey, welcome to Emerald City Guitars. How are you? And they come in, oh, hey, I found this guitar under my grandfather's bed. <laughs> or, you know, or... My son went off to Vietnam and never came back, and we've had this guitar ever since, or any kind of story like that. And you're like, oh, well, let's take a look at it. But kind of like a, uh, is this worth anything visit? Yeah, right. I don't know what to do with it. I'm bringing it down to the guitar. I saw your ad in the penny nickel. <laughs> oh, all right. <laughs> Come on in. And, uh, you know, and you see the case, and then you get that smell. There's a certain smell that those old guitars had that... If you're not into the smell of like it's sort of a little bit mothbally, a little bit like sitting in the closet for all these years, those cases were made out of tweed. But you flip it open, and then inside is this guitar, and then sometimes it can be, you know, every once in a while it is like a '54 Stratocaster or a '57 Les Paul Custom. At which point everybody gasps, and then the owner of the store like magically appears. And gently puts his hand on everyone, <laughs> even if there are four of us working in the store, he somehow manages to gently put his hand on all four of us <laughs> and just push us away. Is he dressed like the Monopoly man? <laughs> he's, he's not. He's dressed, you know, it's a, it's a guitar store, so he's dressed like a rock and roll dad. You know, he's got a shark tooth necklace or whatever, but he's like, <laughs> everybody go, you know, like. If I, got, time I, I, I le- got this. <laughs> time to lean, time to clean. And then it, we all step back, and he's like, hi, thanks for coming in. And then it just sort of like progresses into a different, it takes a different p- form. 
But a lot of times it'll be the the guitar case would open and it would be a very interesting and cool guitar, but not necessarily one that would bring uh, the owner Jay down from his tower. You know, something like a Mose Wright or a uh, or a, a later, you know, a later Fender. I mean, nowadays all that stuff is is uh, is unobtainium, right. but. But then it was like, oh, yeah, that guitar, you know, that's a – I mean, I bought that 68 Telecaster for $1,200, and it seemed like, whoa, $1,200? What kind wow. of crazy guitar are you spending $1,200 on a guitar? Right. You know, you, know, you can get a perfectly good guitar for $600. Um, and and uh, people who are listening to this program who are not in the guitar trades or even who are uh, won't realize that – well, the people that are will realize, but – those guitars don't exist like that anymore. Nobody comes into a guitar store with a with something under their arm like that, because the first thing everybody does is Google it, and now everybody oh, thinks sure. their their stupid 1999 Fender Squire is worth uh, seventeen hundred dollars. And so, but at the time there was no resource like that. It was just like, oh, I don't know, I found this thing. And so one day a guy comes in and he opens this guitar case. And it's this Fender Starcaster, which none of us at the store had ever heard of. Obviously, Jay had. But the rest of us, like uh, younger guys, never seen this thing before. What the hell is it? And uh, it was this ill-fated guitar. Fender tried to do this thing. It was the 1970s, not the, not the top era for Fender. Or for anybody in America. We couldn't make cars or guitars during the 70s. They started making them in 76. And they were done by 79, right? Well, I mean, I'm sure there was a, a tail. But yeah, 76 to 82. The Starcasters? Um, that's what it says. Well, I, think, I think they only made them for three years. Um Pretty, pretty sure. Oh, I'll, only... just, I'll say this: it's, it's. I mean, like obviously, if you're a guitar person, you'd know this, but it, it's not the way you would like eyeball a Strat. This is not like a, a classic, right? N- no, yeah, it was, and this was, I think, still at a time when Fender guitars of that era were derided. Okay. So until until very recently, like a '77 Stratocaster, you'd spit on the floor. You'd be like. <laughs> 77 Stratocaster. We called them, we called them, called them, uh, what were they? Four bolt necks? There was, there was, there was some, maybe it was, no, the three bolts. Well, I forget. It's been so long since I did, since I did any kind of work like this. But it was, it was widely understood that those guitars were not very good. Now, a 77 Stratocaster is worth a ton of money. No, no one even remembers a time when those were considered garbage because they're 40 years old now. And then, yeah, they're not making, they're not making any more new 40-year-old guitars. Right, right. They're, they, and, they're, they're precious. And when you could no longer afford a 65 Stratocaster and you could only afford a 72 Stratocaster and then pretty soon you couldn't afford those. So, you, so 79 Stratocaster. And now, you know, I, I doubt you can afford that. But this was from that era. So a lot of people in the guitar shop were like, huh, what a strange curiosity. It's kind of like a Fender Coronado 2, which is to say a guitar that I don't really care about. And everybody <laughs> sort of walked away. <laughs> and and I'm left there with this thing like, my God, I'm so attracted to it. And my, the one that came into the store that day was Root Beer Brown. 
which again most people were most people in the guitar trades were like yeah not interested in a root beer colored guitar either especially not this like thing this thing this ugly thing that but no one it's cares. like i'm just looking at it and like just just based on sort of aesthetics uh you're not sure like who this is for i mean it right. wants to be kind of a like a Chet Atkins kind of guitar, like like if you're you know a successful local country musician, you might want this. But then mm-hmm. it's got humbuckers, right? Right. Yeah, and it's but it's like who would this be for in 1976? I mean, you're gonna get a Les Paul if you can, probably, right? Well, who who Fender imagined it was for was in the in the mid 70s. You got all these Chick Coreas out there. Oh, okay. You got all these Trini Lopez's. Uh, yeah. la- later, later period Trini Lopez's. Uh, you've got everybody's trying to do all, all these Jerry Garcia's. Everybody's trying to do something new with the guitar, and there's a lot of jazz happening. Mm. There's a lot of jazz guitar going on. Everybody's jazzy. And they're jazzing it up. And the 335, I mean, that's a. That's a pretty valid question. What is a 335 for? It's the classic but isn't guitar. Isn't like B.B. King? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. For the blues. Blues. But, that, that, that's, but a, that's a bona fide classic, though, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, a 59 335 is worth uh, in, the, um, in the multiple digits. God, it's now. gorgeous. What a gorgeous guitar. It's a beautiful thing. So, But Fender never had one like that. They tried to do this Coronado thing. Back in the 60s. That but, is not but, a pretty guitar, John. No, no, it's terrible. And the Coronados were made out of fiberboard. I mean, they're not, they, Fender never intended them to be good. But like Gibson always had, uh, uh, always cornered the market on the F hole semi hollow body guitar. Right. Gibson just cornered the market. Fender never even tried. But then in the 70s, they were like, hey, man. They were like, hey, man, what if we did it? What if we did a hollow body guitar? <laughs> and uh, somebody at, uh, at at Fender was like, "That's a great idea," you know, because by then the company had been sold, and Leo Fender was living in a living in a in a, a Ford F one fifty. And so they did it, and they made it only for a couple of years. Nobody bought it because, as you say, who wants it? It did. Oh, the other thing that it had was a master volume knob on the guitar. So you could set your different volumes of the pickups individually and then have a master. Look at that. It's got a fifth uh, wheel. A, a fifth wheel. Wow. Um, oh, my God. You know what? I have an ad, an original ad from a 1970s guitar magazine hanging in my bathroom for the Starcaster. And I'm, I'm, I'm sorely tempted to jump up and go get it. because Is it, Does it have an alligator? The the ad yeah. no there's there's no alligator but it does have it does have some copywriting that's very much of the moment of its moment I'm gonna get it hang on just a second okay uh, can you play some uh, interstitial music sure <coughs> this episode of Roderick on the Line is brought to you by Braintree code for easy mobile payments. You can learn more right now by visiting braintreepayments.com slash supertrain. Maybe you're working on the next Uber, Airbnb, or GitHub? Then why not use the same simple payment solution that helped them become what they are today? Braintree makes mobile payments so fast, easy, and seamless, it is almost magical. You add it to your app with just a few lines of code, and you're instantly ready to accept Apple Pay, Android Pay, PayPal, 
Venmo, credit cards, even Bitcoin. And if some other way to pay comes along, Braintree will support that too. Here's the thing. Braintree gives you a full stack payment solution. That means support for all payment types that your customers might want. It's a single integration across all platforms. They have superior fraud protection, customer service, and you know it, fast payouts. And that means you're always going to be ready whether you're earning your first dollar or your billionth. You're going to see fewer abandoned carts and more sales with Braintree's best-in-class mobile checkout experience. Please go and look at this for yourself. you got to go to braintreepayments.com slash supertrain. Our thanks to Braintree for supporting Roderick on the Line and all the great shows. Are you there still? Oh, yeah. Okay. Here's what it says. Uh, this is this is when the guitar was brand new. Fender ushers in a new age in sound. Pure sound with minimum feedback. More sound with a solid wood center block for maximum sustain. Two humbucking pickups. Now, this is a thing that that's not really <clears throat> that, <clears throat> that big of a selling point, right? By this point in time, if you want, if you're buying a guitar, you know that it's going to have two humbucking pickups generally. Now, that's not necessarily true of a Fender, but here we go. Cruise from metallic to mellow and anywhere in between. Drive hard or lay back at the touch of a fingertip. And now we're going to move on to the five knobs, which Mm. is the real innovation. No guitar ever had five knobs, Merlin. Nobody ever thought you could probably even add a, f- a fifth knob. No, no. Who would have? Not, not even Roger McGuinn would dream of a fifth knob. <laughs> who dared? Who? You know. But that's right. Who dares wins? Mm. Am I right? Mm-hmm. Mm. So then they were like, uh, "Why don't we put a fifth knob? What?" <coughs> dual controls. It says dual controls. I have no idea what that. I don't know what dual means in that context. I'm guessing that means you can have this pickup or that pickup. Yeah, right. Okay, that's right. That's what it means. Dual controls. Five stars to steer by. Two individual pickup tone controls. Perren, like every guitar. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) And then two individual pickup volume controls. Perren, like every guitar. Wooden neck included. (laughs) And perren. And then the last one. And, And this is... so. Two individual pickup volume controls, period, and then the next sentence begins with a capital and, and master volume control. And that's the thing that, that, that's the thing that they were going to try and uh, use as the big selling point for that. I love that five stars to steer by. Every time I go to the bathroom, I look at that and I say five stars to steer by. Mm. That, feels like, that feels like that should be somebody's motto. You could find so much more stuff with five stars and four stars. Five stars, five stars to steer by. Well, the thing is, at the time, I don't think I don't think a five star rating even existed. Mm-hmm. Oh, I see what you're saying. Stars, I get it. Mm. Mm-hmm. You know, because because it, a five star general is only that only happens in wartime. Right? Oh There's no, no fi- absolutely, yeah, 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 for a wartime general. Yeah, that's right. A wartime consigliere. Tom Tom Hagen's not a wartime general. You you don't. There's no five star general right now because there's no general of the there's no general of the armies, mm-hmm. which is like the big guys, the five stars. That's where you get a, you get a MacArthur, you get a Patton, you get a. Patton was never a five star general. Patton was never a. Fi- oh right, the other guy, Eisenhower. yeah, Carl Malden was. The, did he get the five stars? No, I don't think so. Four. Did he? Hmm. I don't think he got five. No, I think it was Eisenhower and and MacArthur. Mm-hmm. 
I mean, you know, every once in a while they'd give one to a guy because he was, you know, he'd been around a long time. But, but like, I think I think Washington also get doesn't Washington get like some kind of like secret bonus star? You talking about George Washington? Yeah. <sighs> Uh, I think back then, every time they gave you a new rank, they just gave you a, like a bag of of gold. A <laughs> <laughs> bag of gold that you hung from your sleeve. Uh, I feel like I read. We talk, I think we talked about this once, but I feel like he was posthumously given something along the lines of: no matter how many stars anybody ever gets, Washington always has one more. Oh, interesting. Because he's the OG. Uh, I thought you were going to say it was like the posthumous, uh, the way the Mormons baptized their uh, ancestors. Oh, okay, could be, could be similar. Yeah, you know that. You know, the, you know that that is a, that's kind of a, a, a one of the one of the deals. Yes. With the uh, yeah, you knew that. We've yeah. talked about. That. No, yeah. no, it's it's, it's 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 fascinating. So you got five stars to uh, to, to to guide by. The, the ad I found uh, is very seventies looking, and it has the guitar turning into an alligator. Oh, you you were referring to one that you were even then looking at. The hard-charging, sharp-toothed Starcaster. First hmm. heard emerging from the spectral depths of creation in 1976, Starcaster at Ben is the great gray-green greasy Limpopo. Wow! Whatever that is. And Woo! relentlessly climbs the charts. Its attack is heightened by a unique semi-hollow body and jaw-popping vocal range, which is which makes it a prize trophy among anamusicologists. Uh-huh. Anamusicologists. Yeah. Did you know that John Astin is currently teaching acting at Johns Hopkins University? John Astin is alive? He's not only alive, but currently teaching acting. That's fantastic. Yeah, he's trying to reestablish the, uh, the acting school at Johns Hopkins. Oh, good for him. Johns Hopkins, you know, now is thought of primarily as a science school, but uh, but has a long and storied history in the arts. So Jay, was that his name? He comes down from his tower? So Jay, anyway, came down, and I was like, I love this guitar, I want this guitar. And he said, oh, I don't know, man. That's a pretty cool guitar. Because Jay was a wheeler dealer. He always was wheeler-dealering, wheeler even those of us that worked for him. Because he was only paying that's, me $50 that's the a day. That's, that's, yeah, that's, that's the, the business. I mean, you're, 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 yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. It's just like, <laughs> if you work at the car lot, it's not like you get the Honda Civic for free. you got to turn and start negotiating with the with the salesman one level up. So Jay's like, I don't know. I don't know, man. It's a pretty nice guitar. And I was like, well, I mean, <laughs> it's root beer brown. And uh, no one has one. And it's uh, ridiculous looking. And he was like, yeah, I know. But, like, I could probably get $1,800 for that. He, he wouldn't have said that. That would have been an outrageous amount of money. But I said, what if I trade you that Telecaster for it? And he, I think, recognized that that was a good deal. And he said, sold. Because he, can, he so, can move a Telecaster. Oh, yeah. And that Telecaster now... Sixty-eight Telecaster with a with the factory Bigsby. That's worth a ton of money. A lot more than the Starcaster, probably. Anyway, I played it for a long time. The Starcaster. It was uh, like one of my. It was one of my signature guitars. And then Chris Walla of Death Cab for Cutie liked it so much that his bandmates bought him one as a present. And oh, then he that's was so nice. Yeah, he was playing his a lot more prominently than I was. And then. Um, at a certain moment, their Wikipedia arrived upon the scene, and everybody was uh, on there, you know, filling out people's Wikipedia pages. And, you know, mine was had all this baloney on it, like, 
grew up in the, you know, he used to live at 1800 Stanford in in Anchorage, Alaska. And I was like, what is that doing there? But it was written by a fan, you know, and and I didn't understand how things work. But then I went to the StarCaster page one day because I wanted to know about StarCasters as much as I could find. Mm -hmm. And down at the bottom of the page, it said, prominent StarCaster users. And I was like, prominent StarCaster users? Who are these people? And it was... It was Chris Walla and then some – oh, and Johnny Greenwood. Chris Walla and Johnny Greenwood no famously kidding. played a Starcaster. And then like a couple of other guys. And I said, you know, I'm a, I'm a prominent Starcaster user. There aren't that many of us. Sure. And so I had just, I had just gotten – I just grokked the concept that you could change a Wikipedia page. And so I sat and figured it out and pushed on the edit thing and went down and got figured out the HTML, the XHTML. Yeah, right, right. And uh, and I added my name. Prominent. No, no kidding, right there. Big biggest day. Prominent Starcaster user. And then I went back two days later and it was gone. Yeah. And I was like, what the fuck? I'm a prominent Starcaster user. Yeah. Like, I got a record. I you know. My current record is number four on the CMJ. Mm-hmm. Put it. I put it back. I put my name back there. Mm-hmm. You're gonna get the warning. About a week later, <laughs> it was gone. And I was like, you know, all right, I surrender. I don't know who's making these decisions. Somebody's like, why? Well, and I assumed it was one of two things. Either they were like, who made that edit? Oh, the guy. Right. Even if it's true, even if even if Dwight David Eisenhower goes on and says, I was general of the army, they're going to say, you can't edit your own Wikipedia page. Sorry. Right. 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 Or it was somebody that was like, who's this guy? And then they went and looked at my Wikipedia page where somebody was talking about, you know, that I played wiffle ball in in uh, elementary school. And they were like, this guy is just he's just some wiffle ball guy. He's not a prominent Starcaster user. I don't know what this was a long time ago. Mm-hmm. But uh, but that ended. That was the beginning and the end of me making any kind of Wikipedia entry because I realized that I was not at some level. I was getting. I was somebody was stepping on my neck, and I didn't want to play that game. You getting the Scroogey? The Scroogey? Well, yeah. I mean, like you know, I'm trying to think. What have I done here? Is that derived from Scrooge? I think or I from... made. I made two edits ever. You have a, you, are you looking through a file? Yeah, you can to, go and see what I, I've changed. I've made two edits. Oh, both in the fall of two thousand eight. What, what what were they? Looks like I corrected the release date of Protect Your Neck by Wu Tang Clan. <laughs> they had it as nineteen fifty three. Oh, and that's I, wrong. I uh, changed it to nineteen ninety three. Yeah. Um. And then uh, on the uh, on the page for um, Brilliant Corners by Thelonious Monk, mm-hmm. it looks like I linked uh, to uh, the uh, the page for uh, Orin Keep News for, <laughs> from the personnel area. Let's <laughs> see if they let's see if it stayed up. Oh yeah, it looks like it's still there. Yeah, look at that. Well, look at you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like uh, Wikipedia wouldn't be the same without you. I totally agree. Yeah, producer, producer of uh, Billion Corners. Well, I, I, I sometimes I got onto this uh, Quora 
Oh, so I, brother. I've told you about this. Have I told you about this? No, I haven't heard about Quora. I, I, I feel like I would go to Quora, and because I don't have an account, I wasn't allowed to see the answers for things. And I don't know if that's still a thing, but I, I haven't gone back very much. Well, I don't, I don't know how. So I have no, I have no idea how Quora ended up in my life. Right, one day I got an email mm-hmm. that suggested that I was a longstanding member. And it said, hey, here's some Quora articles that might interest you. And it was all about tanks. Wow. Like, like uh, the history of tanks, uh, tank battles, tank warfare. People asking questions like, what would happen if I opened a Pepsi and then put a mouthful of Pop Rocks, but I was in a tank? Mm. Or if you took one M1 Abrams and pitted it against like 40 Sherman tanks, who would win? Like all this kind of questions that you only get on Quora. And I was like, why am I getting this email? But I was interested. I, I did. I actually I mean, was interested. Is, is there a chance that you had signed up and forgot about it? No. Okay. Because I wouldn't have, <laughs> I wouldn't have signed up for a thing that, that said like, what are your, what are your major interests and offered me 80 options. And I, and all I clicked was tanks. Like, that's not a thing. Even if I was still drinking, that's not a thing I would have done. And it felt a little bit like somebody signing me up on a mailing list where I'm getting weird junk mail all the time. Oh, like a prank. Like, yeah, like subscribed. somebody subscribed me to, like, Tank uh, Driver's Digest or something Yeah, where, where, the, where I was coming in the real mail, but it was in my email. I don't know why it happened, but then I got really interested in it, and then I sort of dove into Quora, but I didn't. I did go in one time and and fill out a form that had all of my interests, and I was like, you know, history and politics and philosophy and brr and talking with your, your lips pursed like this with a weird voice, and I want to know about everything. <laughs> and the emails and stuff that kept coming were just all about tanks. <laughs> they never. What this is never, so interesting. Yeah, it never changed. How how long? I'm and, just. I'm sorry. How long ago was this? It's been two years now. Okay. And gradually over time, it has expanded to include special forces ops and other, like, just, I mean, it's basically the Quora topic list of an 11 year old. Right, like, what would happen? What would happen if, uh, if the USS Enterprise and forty Marine Recon uh, operatives all had all had to chase a rabbit Ooh. down a hole? Who would win? And I was just like, wow! I and I, so I read them and read them and read them because, yeah, I, if this is coming in my email inbox, like, I'm not. I'm not going to stop it. I'm who am I to stand athwart history and yell stop? Well, they must have gotten something right to to tickle your interest bone. But but uh, but one of the things that I wonder is if if I had started getting emails from Quora on any topic, would I have had pretty much the same reaction? Like, huh, that's interesting. I'm getting all these weird emails now from Quora about farming. Um, but it's really interesting. I mean, I think anything that anything that came in that form where it was like, this is a very specific thing. Every time you get one of these emails, there's going to be like answers to 10 questions and and you can get in and get out like it's, it's just. Right. Another- I mean, but it's, it's like, you know, if you, you think about the way you do like a, a medium does a cold reading. 
where there's a certain set of things that you can observe or say to somebody that's very likely to get their interest, that they'll, they'll find the meaning in what it is. But tank seems pretty on the nose. Well, but not necessarily, right? Like, um, I don't know if you, I don't know if you uh, listened to the, uh, the food safety podcast I did with Don Schaffner. I think I did. But um, I was surprised that I had a lot of questions about food safety. I had the same experience. Uh, right? When yeah. you, you did that podcast and uh, you get on there and you're like, no, wait a minute. Let's I didn't get realize to the how many aspects of my life uh, food safety touched. And I yeah, finally, and, but, but you know, you get specific and like you're in a room with somebody like that. And you're like, oh, you know what? Actually, I, I do have questions. Like, tell me the deal with ground beef. Yeah. What is the deal with ground beef? Yeah. How much E. coli is actually in it? Well, apparently, according, according to, to our friends on that show, you know, you've got to be careful because you can get different <laughs> yeah. kinds of beefs. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. They were, I mean, in general, they, they ended up saying, uh, yeah, every bit of uh, food out there is poisonous. You just have to decide how much, how much risk you're willing to Didn't take. Didn't bend your brain a little bit? Like, <laughs> I was, so like, I, was on right. there, I was on there to talk about, uh, you know, sous vide cooking, for one thing, like where you cook in a water bath, where there's this whole different model. Wait a minute, um, I, I eat in the bath all the time. You're saying you cook in the bath? Oh, sorry. <laughs> it's a different, slightly different thing. But there's okay. this whole idea of what do they call kinetics, the way the kinetics work, which I don't really understand. But like by the time we were like half an hour into that show, my mind felt bent because I mm-hmm. realized how little I actually understood about this. And here were two people who actually did understand it. And right. It, and they're, they're very articulate about it and entertaining. And uh, that, that, that be, I, see, I see what you're saying. But it wasn't like you had a profile up on Quora. No. And there's no profile of me in existence that ever mentions a tank. Because even if I, even as a military history buff, even as a super military hardware nerd, tanks are absolutely at the bottom of what I'm interested in. Mm-hmm. I'm interested in airplanes. I'm interested in boats. I'm interested in strategy. I'm interested in, I'm interested in guns. I'm interested in uniforms before I am interested in tanks. Okay. And they and all of that stuff is way 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 below my interest in like i mean i'm more interested in bows and arrows but there it was and i was getting into it and so th- there's another thing i signed up for a uh, an email from a guy in england called worldwide words oh yeah right and, you've talked about this yeah and it's just one of those etymology podcasts where you're like uh this is interesting where did that word come from and 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 so what i realized is that what these things are doing for me is I don't actually have that many doorways into the internet. Like, right. I, yes, okay, yes, I do I, know what I, you mean, and it's it's different than five or ten years ago, where there's like it seems like there's an increasingly smaller number of apertures to get you into something. Kind yeah, of. yeah. Think? I, well. I mean, I sit and look at my phone all day, mm-hmm. but when you really look at what I'm doing, I'm only looking at five places on the internet. I'm looking at, I'm looking at Twitter. I'm looking at my email. I'm looking at a couple of games I play regularly. I uh, occasionally and begrudgingly go to Facebook. I go to Instagram. I do a little Snapchatting. Right, but. All of that is a lot of it is broadcasting and looking at what my friends are doing, but I'm not. But isn't like like there was a time when I would go to like like seven different news sites every day. Yeah, yeah, right. And I and I only get to news sites via Twitter. I mean, I use Twitter primarily now as a as a link aggregator. But like you 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 would send me things like here's Wolfram Af- Alfra. 
Ruff, Ruffram, Ralph. Go pretty there close. and pretty close. And, and it'll tell you, it'll tell you like what the mean deviation of the number of bugs in your food is, or whatever. I, I don't even remember what the hell that site did, but but I was always looking like when I would go to Medium, it just seemed like oh here's a bunch of blogs. I don't want to read other people's blogs. Like I didn't have a way, I still don't have a way to really like suck the marrow out of the internet. And so worldwide words was always a, a thing that would get me going. And I'd say, well, now, wait a minute. How does, how did the war of the roses pertain to the, to how that word suddenly uh, fell into the parlance? And then I was off to the races, right? Wikipedia things. Oh, Wikipedia is the other major, major place that I spend time. And lately I've been buying a lot of Filson jackets on eBay. But let's leave that aside because that's embarrassing. That counts. That's an aperture. I don't like it, though. I don't like it. I don't want to be on eBay. I'm embarrassed to be there. I've, I've become one of those people that goes on eBay and, and is the first bid on, like, 90 things. I bid, like, 20 bucks. <laughs> the idea is to be the last one, right? <laughs> yeah. I go on and I'm like, 20 bucks. And, then, <laughs> and, and I think it's just because I'm lonely and I want to get emails from eBay telling me I've been outbid. Oh. Yeah. So I'm like 20 bucks, 20 bucks for everything. And I guess I'm hoping that one of these things will be like people won't go on eBay that day or something and no one will see it and I'll get it for $20. Uh, that never happens. Do you like and, that? Do you like that part of eBay? Do you like the, um, the, the bidding part of it? Is that, is that fun or exciting to you? You mean like racing someone to bid? No, I don't like it at all because there's you, you just all- want, you just want the thing. You're not there for that game. No, I want the thing, and I'm always infuriated when I bid $150 on something, and then the person wins it for $151. It makes me mad because $150 and $151 is not that different. But I wasn't prepared to bid it to $180, and I'm not prepared to download one of those like last-minute bidding programs. Every once in a while, if something really matters to me, I will remember when the thing ends, and I will will go to my computer at that moment, and I'll sit on my little tuffet. And I'll wait until the last seconds, and then I'll like right. get into this combat with what I imagine is someone else, but is probably just a bot. Yeah, and and I and I almost always lose, uh, and then I'm mad. I stomp around. I yeah. lost a thing the other day there. I was stomping around for a long time. I don't blame you. But and that also is an aperture into the internet because I'll see things that I don't recognize, and I will say, "Oh, that's cool," and then I'll Google what they are, and then I'm you know, then I go down that rabbit hole. But but the 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 tank thing has been a has been very interesting because it's like I it brings me in to the web and news does not I am not interested in news because for a long long time I felt like news is garbage and now especially news is garbage mm-hmm. there I like to go to feature articles I like a feature article. But I do not want to know. I do not want news aggregated for me. I don't like it. It's not. It's not good for the soul. But I don't have an aggregator that 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 especially works for me. I haven't programmed something because how can you? How can you go on and say like I want to read the most fascinating articles about everything? Yeah, it's it's but, difficult to automate serendipity. Yeah, 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 yeah. How do you how do you get it? How do you find a way? Because- I, I've, I've thought about this a, a fair amount, and I mean, I think about in the maybe not the very beginning of when I was on the internet, but like when things were getting really interesting. 
by, um, let's say, 96, 97. And Yahoo was where you would go to find stuff. I've talked to Syracuse about this, about how back then, you know, you did not have... Even if you went to something like AltaVista or like a good search engine, it was still not as reliable as going somewhere curated like Yahoo. Because mm. unlike a search engine, I mean, people call Yahoo a search engine and it had search functionality. But what Yahoo was was a directory. And it was kind of, for a long time, it was the Internet for us consumers. It was the, you know, canonical directory of stuff and it was curated. And so, what, what, but what I would do, that this is a, an interest or a skill that kind of still sticks with me to this day, whether this is categories on Wikipedia or whatever... It's like going and find something sim- like I'll go in and find in. I want to find something in general, and so I'll go to an area. I'll find something that's similar to what I think I might want to know about, and then I'll look at stuff kind of around that, like mm-hmm. in a given category. And this is why, for example, like I said, this is why Wikipedia categories are one of my favorite things. Whether that's, I don't know what those are. Well, um, if you're, it's difficult on your phone because you won't see this in the mobile view unless you turn off mobile view. But at the bottom of the page, you'll see categories and you'll see um, what so you'll either see things like the like if there's a portal for this thing, like if you're going in and you're reading about um, uh, adoration of the Eucharist or whatever, you'll see that Mm. that's part of this giant collection called Catholicism. And that mm-hmm. might, I'm, I'm not, this isn't in front of me right now, but you might see, oh, and here's other kinds of things that are, you know, sacred or sacraments or whatever. But it's a great way to, like, not just, I'm, I'm not sure exactly how to put this. It, instead of searching horizontally, you're sort of searching vertically. So you mm-hmm, could go mm-hmm. in and see, like, prominent StarCaster users, not as a section of prose, but as, like, a programmatic, like, when you click here, you will get to a page with all of these things. And there might even, like I say, there might even be, like, a portal about it. It's all about mm-hmm. this particular topic. So that, that it used to, so I guess what, what I'm trying to say is that, like, as a survival tactic to find stuff on the internet or locate what you thought you wanted on the internet, at first you had to be a little bit of a detective where you had to go in and evaluate what your options were and then find things that were around it. And now today, if you know exactly what you want, that's not difficult to find exactly mm-hmm. what you want. Mm-mm, but it's mm-mm. more like, you know, tell me the things I don't know. And so where do you find those discovery mechanisms? How do you learn about the apertures that you never would have known about? Merlin, there is someone knocking at my door, which never happens. Oh, dear. And so let's go over and find out what's going on. All right. John's going to go over and... uh, It's a little bit Mr. Rogers here. John's going to address his visitor. Hello. Oh, hi. Hi. Um... Uh, It's sort of the phone. Yeah, it's a form of phone. Um, It's okay. Go ahead. Um, I left you my name and my phone number. Yeah. I don't think I asked you if you would call me if you see any activity. There has been none. Uh, But if I do, I will let you know. I do have your number. Mm Hmm. Mm Hmm. That sounded pleasant. The plot thickens. Um, so the other day... Do I need to cut that out? No, no, not at all. Okay. The other the other day, I'm sitting here in my house. Yeah. And Oh, you're, uh, at, you're, you're at your home right now. I'm at my house. Okay. Be, and also, uh, two things, two uh, technology-related things. Today, I'm going, after this podcast, to my office to get the internet restored there, finally. Oh, good. Uh, and also, I'm thinking about leaving AT&T, but we can talk about that separately. Does that in, does that interest you at all? I was getting a seltzer. Yes, mm-hmm. and in fact, <laughs> yeah. um, 
Uh-huh. I'm glad to see that we have now, uh, we've just abandoned all pretense that we're not just going to the refrigerator during the show. Well, sometimes I've got to get my bucket, you know, there's all kinds of things I got to do. Okay, so hang on a minute. Let me, let me, let me yeah. uh, trace back here. So, uh, yeah. so uh, there's somebody who has a question about phone and activity. Mm-hmm. You're thinking about leaving AT&T. Oh, yeah, and, and, right. and second, that's third. And then second, uh, you're going to get your internet fixed at the office. Right. So I'm going to go back to the office. I'm not going to be here with the dishwasher running behind me while I'm podcasting. Okay, cool. Uh, but anyway, so... It seems like your office my- might might potentially get a lot more useful if you've got the internet again. Exactamundo, my friend. Yeah. And the problem with getting the internet restored there was that the internet people were like, well, great, well, uh, we'll come you know, a week from next Wednesday, anytime between 9 a.m. and 7 p.m. So, go, like, so go, go sit in this room with no internet for a while. <laughs> yeah, go sit in your office with no internet and uh, make, you know, do some make work all day while we decide when to come. And I was like, it doesn't work that way. I want the internet restored. And they're like, well, we can't do it without you there. And I'm like, yes, you can. You put it in when I wasn't there. Anyway. I'm finally going. I'm going down there. <laughs> I'm not sure you can use logic on those people. I'm going down there right after I get off the phone with you, and I'm going to sit there all day in my office waiting for them, and then I'm going to get the internet, and uh, my problems will be solved from then on. Also, I'm thinking about leaving AT and T, but we'll get back to that. Hmm. There's a knock on my door about a week ago, <clears throat> which never happens. I don't like it when it happens. Mm-mm. What are you doing here? How did you get inside my gate? My fence is falling down, by the way. That's number four. So I open the door, and there are two people standing, a a man and a woman standing on the porch. And they have a very distinctive look, distinctive to me, which is that look of, wait a minute, are these people my age? Are they older or younger than me? Mm -hmm. I can't tell because they're from a different culture. They are white people, but she is wearing a Washington State Cougars Um. Sweatshirt, and as you know, I went to the University of Washington. I'm a Husky. Okay, and they're Cougars. They're from the agricultural college from across the state. And right away, they just they seem like they're sort of suburban people. They're suburbans, and it's like, are we the same age? I cannot tell because you seem older than me because you are like a married couple who are living a life. But, you but, are but, but wearing like, a college sweatshirt. That's that's kind of a tell. Exactly, right? You're wearing a college sweatshirt, but you are clearly living a life of adulthood where you became adults earlier than I did. Sure. Like, I became an adult somewhere around the 41, 42. Okay. Arguably. They became adults. You can just see it on them. They became adults when they were 21. Yeah. And so they're standing on my porch, and I'm like, hello. Normally, when there's a knock on the door at my house, first of all, it's not white people. And so just the fact that they're white people is, A, unusual. Second, cougar sweatshirt, which is very, it's just generally just sort of unusual. And they look like adults. And I'm like, hello, how may I help you? How may I serve you today? And she leans in conspiratorially, and she says, the house across the street, by which she means the house where Gary lives, Mm -hmm. the house where Skeeter used to live before he died of cirrhosis. Right. She said, we just bought that house at auction. Wow. And I was like, what? And she said, yeah, it was foreclosed foreclosed upon two years ago, and they've been living there ever since, and we just bought it at a, like a police auction, basically. Wow, wow, wow. And I said, who the how? And she was like, so, like, what's the deal? 
with the house across the street. <laughs> hmm. Okay. And I looked across the street, and I've told you, I think, that they, <clears throat> within the last year, built a fence, which they forgot to put a gate in. Right? They, they built a fence because they were worried the neighborhood kids were breaking into their house and stealing stuff. When, in fact, the neighborhood kids were not. They were either pawning that stuff and forgetting they were pawning it, or their friends were stealing it. Yeah, but there's the, no way. You had concerns for a long time about the, the foot traffic in and out of the house while that lady was maybe back in a bedroom or something. Oh, yeah. It was like ske- it's Sketcherama. But instead of, instead of uh, staunching the bleeding in terms of, like, don't let these people come by, they built a huge, a huge fence across the entire front of their house. And they forgot to put a gate in it. I mean, they put a like a big gate for the car that immediately sagged to the point that it couldn't be opened. But they didn't put a human gate. And so no one could get in or out. They didn't realize this until the day that the fence was finished. Really? And then it was like it was like, wait a minute. Huh. <laughs> we can't get in or out. So they so they had someone come and then put a gate that in. It seems like a pretty pretty significant design flaw that a fence person would be thinking about. Well, the person that built the fence, I happen to know, was not a fence person. Mm. He was a guy who came by one day in a truck that said, we'll haul junk. Okay. And he was there to haul some junk out of her place. Mm-hmm. And while he was there, they got into a conversation. She was like, I need a fence. And he said, I'll build you a fence. Is this like a chain link fence? No. It's a fence made out of boards. It's a cedar fence. Wow. But not an expensively done one, you know, a one where a guy that hauls trunk was, like, I'll get, the, I can get all those parts. He could probably make a pretty good deal for you. Made a good deal, and then once he was there, and then I, you know, I would come by and say, "Hmm, you're making good progress on the fence." And then he would turn his attention to my house and say, "You know, I could, I could build you a windmill." And I said, "You know, I'm not, I'm not, not interested in having a windmill on my property, but I don't think you're the guy. If I'm going to build a windmill, it's going to be." A, it's going to be a licensed and bonded windmill builder. <laughs> but let's leave that aside. <laughs> so after they put up the fence and after they jury-rigged a, a, a gate into it, then all of a sudden a bunch of signs showed up on the fence that said, security cameras in effect, beware of dog. Uh, like, uh, you know, don't, don't, uh, don't beware of dog, beware of owner. Mm-hmm. Uh, don't beware of owner. Beware of uh, chemtrails. Like a lot, lot, signs, lot of saber rattling. Yeah. Do not. Do not enter. No trespassing. Um, private property. No parking. Like a lot of signs. They just went to the store and they got every sign that said no on mm-hmm. it, and they stapled them up all over this fence. And let me tell you, it really raises the 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 whole look and feel of the neighborhood. I mean, like just shy of like a radiation symbol, right? Yeah, they didn't go that far. They didn't say, you know, there's there's nothing in a foreign language. There's nothing that says Achtung on it. But, you know, like, it's only because they didn't have those signs uh, at the at the lows. So the woman in this in the cougar sweatshirt is standing on my porch and she's gesturing over. She, you know, gesturing with a thumb over her shoulder. Like, what the hey? We just bought this house. What can you tell me about it? And I said, well. Let's just say that the signs are more suggestive of like a general on the other side of the fence. There's a general mood and the signs are more suggestive of the mood than they are of any actual surveillance dogs, guns or anything else. Gary is very unpredictable, but also 
also very predictable in that you can predict that every night at one o'clock in the morning he'll be standing in the middle of the street yelling at the moon. <laughs> and he's mad at the moon because the moon took his kids. But otherwise, yeah. I mean, I don't know what to tell you. So that was big news because I'd gone on the internet. This is another portal to the internet. I'd gone on the internet and I'd done a property record search and I knew that the house was in foreclosure. But it had been in foreclosure a long time. And in Washington State, at least, your house can be foreclosed upon and you can continue to live there for a long time. Okay. Surprise, long time. And so I was like, well, you know, it's just, times are changing over there. I don't want I don't want her to lose the house, but I also don't want Gary living in the front yard in his van anymore. Yeah. Nothing against Gary. Mm-mm. I just don't. You know, if somebody in this neighborhood is going to yell at the moon about how it took his kids, I want it to be me. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, so now the home is owned by the Coops. I mean, you know, it's a long time to kind of have to put up with that. Yeah. And I mean, once I became once I became good pals with Gary and understood his travails, my sympathy for him kept me from uh Calling the police, it kept me from threatening to call the police because I I'm not a person that wants to threaten to call the police. Yeah, because it's not something that you need to threaten. If you're all the way to the point of calling the police, then call them. Uh, you and I have been around the block on this police thing. Well, yeah, and it, it, it's it seems like there's a um, there's, uh, at least if you're kind of raised in the suburbs, there's this impulse of treating the police sort of like your dad. Mm-hmm. You know, and don't, like don't call the police. Unless, well, but there's this sense of like, well, yeah, but like, there's something suspicious here or something I'm not comfortable with, and I need them to go like check it out for me. Yeah, right. Or I mean, in my case, like, if something's suspicious and I'm not comfortable with it, I'll go check it out. If there's something where it's like these people need to be arrested or somebody needs to spend the night, a clear and present danger. Right. Then you call the police and you say, without you know, in no uncertain terms, uh, police. Here's the problem. Right. My, my, and, you know, when my next door neighbor was out in the street firing his pistol in the air, I didn't call the police because I find him to be a reasonable man. Is that because his, must, his daughter had snuck out? Or, yeah, some guy had snuck into his daughter's room and that's then jumped, okay. jumped out the window and onto the roof and down into the street. And that seemed reasonable to me. Of course, you're going to fire your pistol. He had his reasons. Um, he had his reasons. And I trust him generally. Uh, I don't trust Gary. But after I realized Gary was, you know, was predictable in his uh, in his moods, then I was like, eh, you know, I have more problems with the rooster than I do with Gary because Gary's yelling things at one thirty in the morning, which is kind of the middle of my day, whereas the rooster starts at dawn. Oh, jeez. But now I'm concerned. I'm concerned that she's lo- losing her house. I think she has family up upstate. We don't say upstate here, but that's. That's the the best definition of it. Upstate is not a thing we say in Washington. We don't say the five either. Oh, that's that's like an L.A. thing. No, we don't say the five. You don't say it in San Francisco either because the I-5. Yeah, it's it's creeping into the culture here. But I-5 doesn't mean anything to you guys. Well, but people might say the 280, and it's considered a Bay Area thing to to leave off the uh, definite article. it's, It's considered a very L.A. thing. To put uh, the definite article in front of a number for a highway. The 10, the 5. What's the matter with those people? Yeah. Uh, but now now I'm, I've been deputized, basically, by the cougar lady 
not of my own accord, but she gave me the num- her number, and she said, if anything goes on over there, will you be sure and give me a call? Oh, interesting. Okay, I see. Okay, the story's all coming together. And I was like, hmm, all right. Well, if anything goes on over there, you're definitely on the list of people I'm going to call now. Yeah. Uh, there was, you know, there was always a list of people I was going to call, the fire department, the environmental protection agency. Anyway, so she just appeared on the porch. And I answered the door, and this is gonna, this is going to shock and and uh, appall you, I think. But I'm okay. in my underwear, okay. And I'm wearing uh, I'm wearing uh, headphones, and I'm and I have a microphone. You're I in your my, home, John. You should be comfortable. Have, that's right. I have actually, you know, the microphone I use is called a B-caster. So and is, is this the one you like I'm, to put on your chest? Yeah, okay. I've got my B-caster. It's not currently on my chest, but it's on my dining room table. I've got my laptop. So I pick up the laptop, the B-caster, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. the headphones, uh, the underwear. I go to the front door, and I open it, and I'm just standing there in all my glory. Mm. That, didn't, that, didn't, that didn't come across in the audio, but it really does <clears throat> really add something to the picture. Well, and, you know, and you, her eyes got wide, and she said, are you on the phone? <laughs> and, you know, you heard it. I, yeah, you were right yeah, here with yeah. me. Anyway, she said, yeah, she sort of redeputized me. I don't know if I made it clear, but I want you, uh, if there's any activity over there, and she kind of gave a like an eye gesture to the effect of if they're moving out or if they're like stealing the copper plumbing or something as they're leaving. Oh, I see. I see. I want you, <laughs> want you to give me a call because I don't want it to be one of those situations yes. where there's no wall board. Got it. I... Got it. Okay. I see. Did so she ask now... you if you wanted this role, John? Okay. No, she didn't. But uh, but I think I think having had a conversation with her, um, now she considers me an ally hmm. because. Um, and I said to them when they were on my porch because it's because her husband was fairly quiet. And I said, "You guys do this a lot. You buy houses at auction and uh, flip them around." And they were like, "Oh yeah, it's kind of our it's our thing." Huh. Wow. My my husband's a contractor, and oh, we do the work. Oh, I see. I see. I see. And so this was another this was another uh, indicator that they were grown-ups in that what they do as a couple is not go golfing. It isn't uh, you know they don't go to Thailand. They don't they don't race cars. Their thing is let's go buy houses at auction, fix them up, and sell them. Got it. And I was like, what a very interesting like husband wife thing. You know, like they do this together. It's almost like a kind of entrepreneurship. Absolutely, but it's it also absolutely has to be a hobby. They have to like to go to auctions. Yeah, they have to know what they're. You know, buying a house is no small thing. They have to know what they're getting into. I'm betting that she handles the financials. Mm-hmm. I see. And, there. So that, that happens sometimes with people who sell real estate together. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? When you got a, a couple that does real estate, they'll like kind of break up the the uh, the work, so they have a project together, but they also have their own important roles. Right. So she's doing all the financial stuff, which is n- probably no small potato. Mm-mm. And then she's the one that knocks on the door, and she's the one that says, "Hi, neighbor. Here's the deal. Here's our new plan. We're going to be working on the house across the street, and we're going to try and do a nice job." And get and he's just standing there. He's looking at his boots the whole time. He's got shuffling. It. And he's thinking to himself, "I wonder how I wonder how cheaply I can redo the bathroom." Were they both wearing college sweatshirts? He had on what you would call contractor clothes, okay, uh, which I think of as like like a Carhartt kind of thing. 
Well, but he's the supervisor, right? Like oh, he's the sure. he's the, the owner operator. It's like a plaid, plaid shirt. Yeah, he's the he's licensed and bonded. He doesn't need to. He's not wearing a tool belt anymore. But when the work is getting done, he's not above swinging a hammer. Mm-mm. You know, because he's he's a small independent contractor. Mm-hmm. But but he definitely he definitely is like on the up and up with the city and the county. He's not he's not he's not doing it under the under the table. He's a he's straight shooter. Got it. Got it. And I'm, I didn't see their car, but 100%, I bet it is a Dodge Ram truck, with, and I think it's the 2500. Hmm. If you see a Dodge Ram 1500, mm-hmm. that could be just a regular person. Is that the equivalent just, of like an F-150? Yeah. So you're talking about, okay, I see what you're saying, because an F-150 is like, that's a consumer pickup truck, with all due respect. Yeah, that's a half ton. It's okay, a that's ton. a half ton. Okay, okay. And if you see somebody in a Dodge one oh, fifteen hundred, you think, oh, they went to the they went truck shopping. That, that, that's a Costco they, truck. Yeah, they chose the they chose you know I mean? the truck. No, no, I'm just saying, like that's a that's a go to Costco kind of truck, or put a or, canoe, or, put a canoe in the back kind of truck. Yeah, put a canoe in the back, or you're just somebody that wants a pickup truck because that's the that's the look you're going for, or you figure, yeah, you figure you're going to have to haul your bicycles, or maybe you're it's a real truck. Then you're doing real work, but you chose a ton pickup, and that seems to me like if you chose a Chevy, if you chose a Ford, if you chose a Dodge, that's just aesthetic. Okay. Now a Dodge twenty five hundred diesel truck is that one of the ones with like extra tires? No, that's not one of those. Okay. That's just the twenty five hundred is like you're you are going to use this truck. It's a working truck. You are a working person, Got it. and you've chosen the Dodge because it com- it communicates to you. Less flibbity jibbity and more like, I'm going to work here, and this is the this is my, this is a truck that oh, communicates. Oh my goodness! Look at that thing. Oh, that I'm a at, ooh, that's a, that's right? that's a, it's like a like a bulldog. It's a bulldog. Now, if you see someone driving a Dodge 3500, mm. it is almost 99 percent sure that that person is an asshole. Okay. <laughs> Okay. Um, what? Well, how, how did you? Uh, how did you get to that? You I think, can just tell I think because you can just tell. Experience bears this out. Okay. That that is the truck of choice for people who uh, for people who like burning coal. Now this one does. You can get this with the flared fenders, where I think you yeah. get the extra wheel. And it's my understanding the extra wheel on there is because you're carrying things that are so heavy, you would literally pop your tires because of the heaviness. Or towing. If you're towing a big, big, big uh, uh, horse you, trailer, more, more ground surface. Yeah, if you're towing a big horse trailer or something, mm-hmm. you're you know you're gonna want the extra the dualies as they're called. Dualies. Oh, okay. Uh, All right. And Tow- almost yeah. almost universally, those are now diesel powered. They have big Cummins diesel engines, and they're they're uh, they're uh, super macho. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And if you're pulling a horse trailer, let's let me say this: If you're driving a 3500 Dodge 3500 and you are pulling a horse trailer, I will give you one opportunity to prove you're not an asshole. Okay, but but that's the only dispensation I will offer. Everyone else is an asshole, and if you ever see a 30, if if you ever see somebody burning coal, which is to say that they have modified their diesel motor so that it creates intentionally creates big clouds of black smoke oh, okay. as a as a fuck you to environmentalists yeah. you're you are 100% driving a Dodge 3500 and you don't see that you don't see the coal burning so much in the 1500 no 
No, no, no. Why would you? What? Well, fifteen hundred. You just bought a truck. You just bought a truck. You're driving around in a truck, Dodge truck. If you, got 15, you probably don't have two trucks. Like you're gonna take care of that. Yeah, it's your truck. It's, it's your, your truck. it's your yeah. it's your car. Yeah. Um, when you're driving out in America, I'm not talking about here on the coasts where people are, you know, living in their ivory towers and no. sipping wine out of uh, little glasses and lifting their pinkies and stuff when they drink coffee. I'm talking about out in America, in the United States of America, places like the Dakotas or the Nebraskas. Mm-hmm. Uh, you will find that every 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 single person is driving a truck now. There are no cars in those places. They have eliminated all cars. Everyone is driving a truck, and the hmm. trucks are just they're in an arms race to see who can be the biggest asshole. Like, and the the truck is the way of communicating that. Seems like the truck. If if that is the case, then just having a truck is table stakes. Like you, you, yeah, you you're right. not going to get to to really participate in the uh, asshole parade unless you have one of these. I'm not agreeing because I don't I don't have the experience with it, but I'm just trying to understand. Yeah, if you're just driving a truck, yeah. you're just that's just normal. You're just the normal. And if you're driving a three quarter ton truck, it's like, yeah, I live in Nebraska. I'm doing stuff. I got hay bales to move around. Mm-hmm. Even if I'm a college professor, I probably have hay bales to move around because because uh, that's what my students sit on at the University of Nebraska. Okay, right. And if you've ever been to the University of Nebraska lecture hall, it's just hay bales kind of stacked up in a like a grandstand. That seems like a good use of the environment. What's uh, what well, is the uh, mascot of the Nebraska team? That's not the Cornhuskers, is it? Yeah, is it? Yeah, they're husking corn to oh. build hay bales to uh, to build corn bales for the university. Oh, it's a whole biome. Yeah, and so that's you, where you, Johnny learn, you learn about corn. You sit on corn. You haul corn. You teach corn. You use corn to thicken sauce. It's corn all the way down. You put corn in your truck, but okay. not not if you're driving a diesel. Mm-mm. But you, oh, because because the ethanol. Uh, ethanol is a gasoline product made out of corn. Okay. I think if it's made out of corn, it's technically called cornithol. <laughs> uh, Corn- cornithol, James Simpson. <laughs> that's right. Uh, and uh, cornithol was the was that great uh, city in Greece. Who and there was also a book of the Bible. I think he also played Called- on uh, Brilliant Corners by Thelonious Monk. Hmm. Brilliant, brilliant, brilliant cornels. <laughs> uh, that's the history of Nebraska in a nutshell. Yeah. But uh, probably, it's very that's probably taught at the university when they teach the history. It's probably mm-hmm. taught via corn. Corn, corn is the is the medium. Well, so University of Nebraska is the intellectual uh, school of Nebraska. Nebraska State College. Oh God, those is guys! Where, it's where they really. That's the real Aggie school, and that's where they teach you how to burn coal. That's where they're really in their corn. They're 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 in their corns, mm-hmm. and uh, they all have corns on their feet. Oh. Wow. It's really, really, really corny. Is that like sympathy weight when somebody gets pregnant? You just get because there's so much corn that corn corn is what's happening. Uh, sympathy weight, yeah, it's like sympathy weight. It's like shaving your head when your friend is going through chemo. That's a nice thing to do. Now, see, in my head, I feel like I associate Iowa with corn. Mm. Have I, you know, I because I think a lot of what I I'm not gonna say what I learned. I think a lot of what I retained about America. Uh, came from maps on placemats where there was one item associated with every state. And right. I, I think corn w- was on Iowa. Right. And what was Nebraska? Uh, was, it a, was it a Dodge truck? No. No, no Nebraska, but like I Florida, think... Florida you, get, you get an orange maybe, right? Or an alligator. Washington, you get an apple. Apple. Do they still, or a pine is, is tree. It, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I think a pine tree is being maybe uh, Oregon. 
Oh, I see. I see. But, you know, if you only, I mean, that's a lot, let's be honest, it's a little bit reductive to bring it down to, to a single item. Yeah, I think there are more pine trees in Washington than Oregon, but you're right. Oregon ha- gets the pine tree as their emblem. I think back I then— I think maybe Oregon pro- should be like a handmade wooden, wooden wallet. Nowadays, yeah. right? Nowadays, a handmade wooden wallet or somebody uh, in a Shakespearean costume standing on one toe playing the flute. <laughs> um, Nebraska at the time, I think, w- on that placemat would have been uh, would have been like indicated by some Jello with little fruit bits in it. Mm, I miss that. Oh, I miss yeah. that. But if you think about corn-fed beef, where's mm-hmm. corn-fed beef coming from? Okay, so that's more about beef than corn. Well, but you can't have beef without the corn. The corn's got to come from somewhere. Yep. It isn't, I don't like, think... it isn't like you're just taking your herd and you say, yeehaw, you slap them on the butt and send them into a cornfield. No. There's not a no, corn gotta, maze. There's not a corn maze for steer. You got to husk that corn. You got to shuck that corn. Okay. You got to tote that barge and lift that bale. And you got to bail. The bale's in your 2500. You get a little drunk and land in jail. Yeah. Okay. But okay. this is even before there were 2500s. People were doing this with horse-drawn John, carts. I don't know the answer, but I'm going to say Colorado. Where, where do you you're... think corn-fed beef comes from? So I think corn-fed beef is a real Nebraska thing. They're real proud of it. And I think they're not shipping, let's just say, they're not shipping that corn from Iowa. You know what I mean? That's locally grown, locally sourced. Okay. Oh, that's, that's like it's farm-to-table corn. Right. And or, nowadays, I guess it's farm-to-farm. Farm-to-table-to-farm. Farm-to-table-to-farm. That goes right to the steer. Yeah. It mm-hmm. just, the corn, goes, the corn goes through the steer, through you, and mm-hmm. back to the land. Hakuna Matata. But so nowadays, if you go so back in the day when you would go into a restaurant, you'd get a corn-fed beef and uh, and a and a wedge salad. Mm-hmm. Mm. You'd drink fourteen gin martinis and then you'd sign the contract. Those days are gone, my friend. And now mm. nowadays, if you're going into a restaurant that's called the Walrus and the Spaghetti Squash, <laughs> um, you're going to find that cor- that you don't want your beef fed by corn. Is this one of those one of those logos that has like an X made out of like a fork and a knife, and it's got four letters in it, like that that kind of. Mm-hmm. I don't know what that logo is called, but like the the, the Portland logo. Yeah, uh, SQED uh, or uh, yeah, SQOR. What is it? The, the the whale and the squid and the spaghetti squash. What's it called? Yeah, the yeah the the whale and the squid and the spaghetti sauce. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. If or spaghetti, I'm sorry, sp- spaghetti squash, not spaghetti sauce. That's a different place. Yeah. Have you ever have you ever made a spaghetti squash? No, I've I've seen photos. I, I feel like I might have seen them in person, but I I feel like the um the inside kind of freaked me out. Yeah, I tried at one point to. I tried at one point to say like, yes, okay, I'm going to be a person that eats um, spaghetti squash. Okay, and I tried it, and sure, it it's a food, it's an edible food, but it mm-hmm. isn't spaghetti, and so let's stop pretending. Yeah, it's sort of like carob. The spaghetti squash is the carob of starch. Is carob the one that's like fake chocolate? Fake chocolate. They mm-hmm. used to get in the 1970s, you'd go over to a hippie house, and they'd say, would you like a cookie? Oh, and right. say, well, yes, I always want a cookie. It's a chocolate chip cookie. Yo, I'll take a, always take a chocolate chip cookie. And then you eat it, and it's like, that's not chocolate. That's some kind of, that's a, that's a. That's a, that's a prank. It's a chocolate chip a, style cookie product. Yeah, it's a bitter, that's a bitter root you've put in there. Yeah. Um, but so mm. nowadays you don't want corn in your beef 
And I think there was something called corn finishing, where you let a, you let a cow just wander around, eat grass, and then right at the end, you'd put it in a stockyard and you'd feed it corn, like give it all the corn it oh, can eat. Oh, it kind gets of- a, one little amuse bouche before the end. Mm. And so, it, uh, so that's how it gets all the fat, the marbled fat, because it's just eating sugar corn. <sighs> Uh, but nowadays you don't want that. You want your cow to live in a bucolic environment. You want it to eat alfalfa until its very last moment. Yep. You want the cow to have a name. Mm-hmm. Uh, you want there to be a little girl in pigtails that takes little flowers in a basket. Maybe, out it's, and maybe it's got like an associate's degree. The cow. Yeah. Yeah. From the Aggie school. Mm-hmm. Not from. Oh yeah. From the, the, yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, <sighs> these trucks, yeah, these trucks not, are really, really macho. My goodness. Right? 3,500, right? It's just, if you see a truck with a Confederate flag in the back window 99% of the time, well, now, wait a minute. I think of Dodge Ram 3500s as very much being a Nebraska, South Dakota truck, maybe as far as Missouri. But I think when you get down into the South, like, I think of an Alabama truck as being a Chevrolet. Okay. Um. And like an, well, you know, it's hard to, like the F-250, right, is the standard truck. But I'm going to say that an F-250 is somewhere, you know, they're they're doing farming in uh, in Ohio. They're doing farming in, in Michigan. Well, I'll just, uh, this is just a random data point. But as you, as you probably know, like my neighborhood, uh, if there are people who are tradespeople, there are a lot of those are the sort of folks who live in my neighborhood, and yeah. there are a lot of white pickup trucks. And I'm going to say the preponderance is Fords and Toyotas. Now, this is okay. San Francisco. But right. the there's Toyota, a lot of what I'm going to call Ford 150 um, sort of uh, paradigm-sized trucks. And uh, boy, a lot of them have the crap beat out of them. These are these are people who are doing all kinds of different stuff. It's yep. it, these are not Costco trucks. They are really really using these. And I think in some cases it's like what they could afford and what they'll use forever because that's kind of a vibe in the neighborhood. So I think that's true. That is the 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 Ford. <laughs> the reason the Fords are the best selling trucks or always were is that they're just used by everybody. It's not a thing that you're driving around with a camouflage baseball hat and a and a piece of skull in your mouth. It's a thing where you're you need you need a truck. It doesn't have the kind of stuff. It doesn't have like the little step and it's not like you know what I mean. It doesn't have that sort of tricked out. Like I'm here to make a statement about being a truck. It's got a shop vac on the side and the the lock the door lock has been pinged out and it's been replaced with a padlock. Yeah, sure. The, the, The ignition is probably gone and you start it with a screwdriver. Are you Did you feeling... ever drive a car that you started with a screwdriver? No. Oh, that's a thing. Um, are you feeling good about your role with this uh, this new uh, potential neighbor contractor of yours? Or do you feel like, are you feeling, will you know, let me put it this way, will you know when it's time to give her a call? Well, so what I'm guessing is that when they finally go, because I'm I'm on good terms with her, I don't know if I've ever mentioned her name. I think I have intentionally yeah, okay. not yeah, to. Yeah, yeah. But you've you've you've, um, you've been. It's historically, if memory serves, like you have been friendly with her. You've yeah. been kind of worried about her. You sort of checked in on her, and you just generally wished for goodwill for her. Yeah, even more than friendly with her, I feel like I am her friend. Okay. And she has only very occasionally uh, called me on the phone. And one time, she broached she she tried to bridge, she tried to build a. A bridge over my river Kwai, Mm -hmm. um, which was she came to me and asked me for a loan to build the fence, this fence that I'm this fence that I have to stare at all day. 
And she said, you know, I need to build this fence. It's halfway built, which it was. And the guy, the junk hauling guy wants another $1,500 to finish the fence. And I need to get the fence finished because the neighborhood kids are coming in the window and they're stealing the woofers and tweeters out of my speaker. Right. And I said, Jamaica, uh, good fences make good neighbors. This is not a good fence. And one other thing that makes good neighbors is not asking neighbors for loans, particularly to finish shit fences. And she was like, right. And I said, yep, I know that you probably felt that you were in a situation where you needed to do that in order to finish this fence, but I'm opposed to the fence. And also, you know, it would be a, I would be giving you the money to finish a thing that I think is idiotic. Right. Uh, So, but, but other than that, we have always been very tight. And she's never really called me because she she's never called me to say, like, there's something suspicious. She generally calls me to say, have you seen my cat? Mm-hmm. And her cat lives on my front porch. No kidding. Yeah, which is another thing. Her cat lives on my front porch, but her cat won't let me pet him. <sighs> and so what that means is every night at 2 a.m. when I arrive home with my keys jangling and some box in my arms, I am... Newly startled by this cat leaping out of the dark shadows on my porch and running away from me. And for five years, I've said, hi, kitty. Hey, kitty. It's just me. Hi, kitty. And the cat gives me nothing. (sighs) But he's living on my porch. That's where he wants to be, my porch. That is really disappointing, John. Yeah. And when he's the one, when I had the possum that sat there licking his paws. Oh, come on. This this cat had culpability. Yeah, I'm like, you're not doing shit around here. Oh, that's sickening. So she'll call me sometimes, and she's like, I haven't seen my cat in a couple days. And I, I never say this to her, but I feel the same way. Like, hey, lady, if, you're, if your cat got taken up a tree by a couple of raccoons, I'm not going to shed a tear for him. Yeah, you got to pick your shot, though. But I do feel like when they move, it's going to happen in the middle of the night. Yeah. And I don't think anybody in there is going to take, I don't think they're going to be like I was that one time when I was living in the apartment with the rat where I took all the light bulbs. Oh. That, <laughs> that's just, that's just bratty. That's just being a, that's just churlish. Yeah. I don't think they're going to do that because there's not that much market for secondhand light bulbs. <laughs> 